Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. I'm joined now by Mike O'Connell, who happens to be a good friend of mine. He's also the Chief Operating Officer of Peter Jacobson Sports, Sports Management and Marketing Company, headquartered in Portland, Oregon. Mike, you and I have worked together on and off the golf course many times. You caddied for me. In the 2004 U.S. Senior Open, which we won together at Belle Reve, which then got us into the U.S. Open at Piners the following year. Yeah, that was that was a ton of fun. I think anytime once you turn 50 and you start playing on the Champions Tour, I think for you to go back and play in a tour event, let alone a major, uh, that the juices get flowing. You see a lot of your old friends, a lot of the younger guys that, that you played against, like Phil and Tiger and. I knew you were playing well that week going into it, so we, we had a we had a ton of fun. So so let's go to Saturday's round. We got to the ninth hole at Piners, par three, Piners number two. And I was playing with I think Kenny Perry. I think Kenny Perry. I can't remember, but I think it was Kenny. Yeah. And what do I do? I hit a seven iron, you gave me the perfect club, and I take one I take a take a right at the flag, take one hop, dunks in the bottom of the hole for a hole in one. Those are like the caddy's best friends, you know, the hole-in-ones, pull a club, hit a shot, make an eagle. I remember uh, seeing the ball bounce, and I initially thought it had one-hopped over the green because the greens were really firm, really toasty, and you had a delayed reaction, too, kind of like, was that good? Where'd it go? It went in? It went in? Well, at my age, I really couldn't see the ball at all. (laughs) Yeah, that that was nice. I remember we got to the next tee. And you're bombing it out there with Kenny. I mean, Kenny was long and straight, and he turned to you and said, Peter, I'm not sure I've seen anybody drive it better than you. You're playing great. So we, uh, you birdied 10, birdied 11, I think, or 12, and you, you might have been in third, fourth place. And I'm not going to lie, the thought crossed my mind, how cool would this be to win the U.S. Open at <laughs> 51 year old, yeah. Fun. Well, the last the last round we got paired with a young Aaron Oberholzer who is no longer playing the tour. He's now doing great work for Golf Channel, and Aaron was we were in the top ten or twelve, yeah. and we were both trying to get into the top eight, which I believe qualified you for the Masters. Exactly. Aaron had never played at Augusta National in the Masters, right. so tell us about our start on Sunday. The greens were firm, oh. and those Pinehurst number two greens are impossible. Yeah, it was, I remember being warmer that day, obviously you're playing late in the day, and it was really toasty, really firm, and you and Aaron got off to a couple of really rough starts. Rocky. I I think through four holes, you might have been five over, and he was six over, and it wasn't, wasn't from hitting crazy shots, it's just you couldn't get it on the green, a couple, three putts, but we're walking up to the sixth tee, and you couldn't tell, you would have thought you were a couple under, you were talking to the gallery, talking to the marshals. You turned to Aaron, slapped him, and said, isn't this great? We're at the U.S. Open final round. Let, let's go. I know, know it wasn't the best start, and I'm thinking, no, it wasn't the <laughs> best start. But you're like, Let, let's make some birdies. Come on, let's have some fun. Well, the one thing I've learned over my career is that you really need to make your own reality. And when I looked at everybody's start, everybody was over there were There was not a lot of red, if any, on that board. So I thought, okay, this is a bad start. Four, four, five, six holes in, we're, we're four, five, six over par. And I said, all right, 
I'm not going to let this bother me the rest of the day. I might be playing in my last U.S. Yeah. Open. So I'm going to have fun with this. So I tried to bring air, and I was punching him and getting him going. And I'm not sure he really liked it. He wasn't buying it at all. He wasn't buying it. lie. But we got around, and we made it to the 17th tee, and we were both hanging in there I think around you, 10th place. Yeah, I think you guys had played it. You had played it one under par for those those 13 or 14 holes. And Aaron, I think, had played it two under. So you guys were right back in the mix. You weren't going to win it, but still had a chance to – get to the Masters or qualify for the U.S. Open the next year. So the 72nd hole, the last hole, again, we're hanging in there. Aaron's beating me by one or two, but I'm actually thinking if I finish in the top 14, I get back into the U.S. Open the next year at Wingfoot. So we got to the 18th and we had a bit of a wait. Yeah. And it's an uphill par four, slight dogleg right, big fairway bunker on the right. And as you know, the U.S. Open fairways are tight and the rough, that Bermuda rough was treacherous. You couldn't reach the green if he hit it in the rough. So I could see Aaron was a little bit uh, revved up, ready to go. So we had a gallery stand right there on the, yeah. on the 18th tee. And I said, hey, if Aaron and I had a driving contest, who do you think would win? And everybody's going, you, Aaron, no, you're too old. Him, yeah. So Aaron's looking at me like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I said, Aaron, how about a dr- long drive contest? Now, he outdrives me by 30 yards all the time. But I said, it's got to be in the fairway. It's got to be in the fairway. And, and he was goaded into doing it. He went, okay. And he rolled his eyes. But what I was trying to do is I was trying to take both of our focus off a difficult tee shot. We both wanted to put it in the fairway to have a chance for birdie, but at the very least make par. So I, I think he went first and he bombed yeah. it out there dead straight. I think he almost hit it to the crosswalk. Yeah. It was about... 100 yards from the green. I hit a good one about 20, 30 yards behind him. So he won, but we both won because we put it in the fairway. We both hit it on the green. I think he might have made birdie. I think he hit it close. We both made par, and we he didn't make it into the Masters. I think he finished 10th, but we both finished in the top 14, which got us both into Wingfoot the next year. But what happened is we were Coming up to the 18th green, the big scoreboard, and just as a reminder, Michael Campbell won that open, but Tiger Woods was right there. I think he finished second, and he was making a charge. Well, I'll back up back on the tee. There was that wait. You guys were in a nice rhythm, and the last thing you want to do is now have to wait for 10 minutes, and you kind of lose your train of thought a little bit. So you guys hit your tee shots. It's getting a little crazy behind us. Tiger's making a move, making some birdies. People are hooting and hollering. It's a ton of fun. But as we're walking off the tee, Aaron came over to you and kind of put his his arm around you and said, Peter, I just want to say thanks so much for the pep talk back on the fifth hole. I was going to shoot 88 today. And I just, I really appreciate it. This has been so much fun. I think it might've been his first U.S. Open, possibly. And so that was really cool. But then we get up to the, the fairway, you guys hit your second shots. And this blew me away, your, your, uh, ability to know what's going on around you. You hit your shot, people give you a nice clap, you take about two or three steps and all of a sudden you hear the big green stands to your left go crazy. So you immediately turn to the right to see the scoreboard and you see that they've posted a Tiger Woods birdie on 16 or 15. And he got closer to Michael Campbell. He's like one back now and you immediately turn back to the gallery and give the classic Tiger Woods fist pump. And I've got a view from about 15 yards behind you. 
it was one of the funniest things. I think Johnny Miller even commented on the TV that, you know, Peter, you got to hand it to him. He's 50 years old and he's still having a fun time out here. I remember that. I, I knew that the big roar wasn't for, wasn't for Aaron or me just hitting nine irons on the green. So we turned, we swiveled to the right, we looked at the big board, and I think Tiger had birdied three of the last five holes, creeping closer yes. to the lead. So the, they're going nuts. Yes. So I kind of came up and just to rev the crowd up, uh, started doing the uh, the Tiger Woods fist pump. So when I got up on the green, I, I had about 20 feet. I think Aaron had about eight feet. Yeah. I missed, tapped it in. And I don't know if he made it. I can't remember if he made it or missed it, but... Uh, we had a lot of fun that day, and it just goes to show you that it's important to remember where you are. You're in the big picture. You're trying to win a tournament. You're trying to win the Open. But really, it's just golf, and it's just interacting with your fellow player in your group, your fellow players in the field, and the fans outside the ropes. That's the one lesson I learned from, from the great Arnold Palmer is, remember, it's okay to reach out outside the ropes and bring the fans inside the ropes with you, not literally, but figuratively. Have some fun, share your passion, because the fans will give it back to you tenfold. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up and making sure they show it. They're rattling loud, not your usual crowd. It's a jungle in People ask me all the time now, when I play in an outing or a tournament or just with friends, why do I play a yellow ball? Well, it's pretty simple, really, because I can see it. I can see the ball in flight all the way from the tee down to the landing spot, whether that's the fairway or, yeah, a fairway bunker. At my age now, I lose the white ball in flight. When Srixon first started making the Z-Star yellow ball, and they put it in my locker. It was to hand out to my amateur partners in the Pro-Am. And I was thinking, I'm not going to play this ball. I'm going to play the white ball. But when they put it in play, I could see their ball. And I immediately thought, what in the heck? I could see that ball. And believe me, when you lose sight of the ball in flight and you don't know where it lands, it kind of takes a little bit of the fun away. So what I did right then, I switched to the yellow ball. I started playing it in the Pro-Ams. And eventually, I started playing it in the tournament. Whenever you switch to a new ball, you're always worried about how that ball is going to fit in with what you do, how it affects your game. And I play it because it does everything I need it to do. I always think about proper spin, the proper trajectory, and the maneuverability of the shot. With the Strixon Z-Star yellow ball, I can curve it left to right, hit it high or low, and it has that perfect amount of spin that I need for my game. It's been about 10 years now since I put that ball in play, and I've never looked back. It's yellow for me for the rest of my career. You've been here before, you know what to do. Keep your head on straight, don't let them get to you. Put a smile on your face, get rid of that frown. Gotta suck it up, it's no time to melt down. It's a jungle in here. As a tour player, we get a lot of requests to do a lot of different things. But Mike, back in 05, when I went to play the Senior Players Championship up in Dearborn, Michigan, and you were going to come caddy for me, you got a request that week that uh, was a little bit different. Yeah, a gentleman reached out, Brian Backo from Detroit, reached out via email, and you get some crazy requests. This one was, I, I didn't think there was any chance it was going to happen. 
he told us, told me about, wrote a letter to you talking about his son, who was a high school golfer, um, really good student, big fan of yours, big fan of the game, and he wanted to know if it would be possible to walk inside the ropes with you during a practice round. And I'm like, well, I'll, I'll take it to you, see what you would say. And you never cease to amaze me. You took it and you say, you know what? Why don't we have him caddy for me in the Pro-Am? And any tour caddy welcomes that because then they don't have to carry the bag <laughs> during the Pro-Am. They can actually enjoy it a little more. So I went back to him. I think Brian was ecstatic when I sent the email back. We set up a time to talk. He wanted to just have some kind of basic things that Clark should do, what you like, what you don't like. And that, that's, that's probably the trickiest part of caddying is getting to know a player. Um, I certainly wasn't perfect when I caddied for it. Sometimes I gave you too much info, sometimes not enough. But Come on, we, you were perfect. We met, we met Clark, I think, Tuesday afternoon. He went around nine holes with us. Super nice young man. And this is going back 05, so this is... I want to say he was 16 or 17 at the time. He's, he's now 32, 33, but it was just such a fun week. I think he had a couple brothers, maybe an older brother and a younger brother, and the whole family came out every day. Lo and behold, you end up win, winning the tournament uh, on Sunday, shooting five or six under par, and they gave, gave you cookies and everything, and it was just uh, just a good lesson that take a look at all the requests that come in. You get a lot of them. And it surprised me that, that you were open to that, especially during the week of a, a senior major. But it was, it was something I'll never forget, and I'm sure he, he won't forget either. I'm a sports nut, and if you're anything like me, the first thing you do every morning is grab your phone and check to see what may have happened overnight in the world of sports. But Mondays are for golf. Once the weekend is over and the golf tournaments around the world are complete, whether they're on the professional tours or in the amateur world, I know I'll find what I need on Global Golf Post. It comes to my email every Monday morning delivering everything I need to know as I dissect what happened over that weekend. It also offers insight and analysis from experienced writers and contributors who are as committed to the game as I am. And it's pretty easy to sign up. Just log on to globalgolfpost.com and you're done. And for even more great content, you can subscribe to Global Golf Post Plus, which takes a deeper dive into the world of golf, exploring the people, places, and things that makes this game we love so intoxicating. And with Global Golf Post Plus, there's no advertising. Use the promo code JAKESTAKES when you sign up to receive 30% off your monthly subscription to Global Golf Post Plus. So remember, globalgolfpost.com. It's everything you're going to need to know about this game of golf. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up. This is amazing. You got to check this out. I came across an old tape from 1984 
National League Championship Series. It was the Chicago Cubs versus the San Diego Padres. Uh, a young Harry Carey had invited a young businessman, Donald J. Trump, up to the press box. You got to check this out. This happened at Wrigley Field. Listen. Well, they get him a Budweiser vote. Hey, we're back. And we're here with this uh, entrepreneur kid. I love this this guy here. Um, say it again for me, Donnie. It's Donald J. Trump. It's going to be Donald J. Trump with us today here in the booth. Can I sing the seventh inning stretch? I think we've already got a guy coming in to do that. I'm much better. I'm a great singer. I've sung thousands and thousands of songs, and they're all great. I'm sure they are. I, I wouldn't argue with that. I just think that little Sally Farquhar from North Plains, Indiana, is going to be upset if she doesn't get to do the singing. I'm not only a great singer, but I'm a developer. I build buildings. I'm a good golfer. I play cricket. I'm excellent at cards, and I love Jenga. Tell me a little bit. It says here that you've opened a children's boutique. It's called uh, Trump Treasures or something like that. What, what is this about? It's one of my favorite ventures that I'm so excited about. It's going to be a huge success. Ball free. You might put them on. Anyway, Donnie, I'm wondering, the shoes you're wearing today, I've never seen such a shine on a gorgeous pair of dress shoes. It's a patent leather golf shoe. I took the cleats out. It's a special brand that only I can find. They're made in Guatemala, a country I love. I can understand it. I, I go down to Guatemala and watch some of the prospects play. I love to play polo in Guatemala. I've got some great friends down in Guatemala. I, lo I love that you got you got a place down there. That's fantastic. I, I, I have places everywhere, and it is terrific, and it's wonderful to be able to travel. I've been to hundreds and hundreds of places in the world. Chin music, that might be a problem between the pitcher and the batter at this point. Donnie, interesting stuff you're bringing up here to us. I'll tell you what, this next inning, I want to ask you about something else you got going on. Apparently, you've done a deal with the Lego company to have uh, your, your buildings all done in Lego. Yes, I've done that. Lego is a fantastic company. Excellent people. Donnie, let me ask company. you something, though, Donnie. Wouldn't that just be square, tall, like the children would just build a structure that's square and tall? Yes, but that's what I do. I build beautiful buildings. They're big. They're tall. They're terrific. And your, your yeah. name's on the Lego? Can I, I, can I pick thousands it? and thousands and thousands Understood. Of Understood. He's getting a little out under the collar. Outside. Well, that'll end the inning. I got to tell you, it's been a treat having this kid, Donnie Trump, up here to talk with us. Donnie, sounds like you got big things going on. I have a lot going on, and I've played in 37 club championships in the world, and I'm a club champion at 37, maybe more, golf clubs. Ah. In the world. I'm going to be honest. That's got to be a record. 37 club championships. I think you might be pulling the old donger here on that one, but that's okay. Not true. Not true. Oh. Fake news. I'm sorry about that. I'll tell you what. We're going to be back right after this after a word from Budweiser. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours?